Broadsheet Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Shared History. Hand-built by robots. That, honestly, probably going to be true eventually. Yeah, I mean, we're doing it all on on the Zoom. Who knows if it's really me? I could be one of those, I forget what they call them when frame people for doing things on the internet. All like, oh, like a deep fake? Somebody's deep, deep faking Cass. <laughs> We've got deep Cass on here. <laughs> oh! Hate it. Hate it. Hated it. Cass, you, we can't prove that history wasn't hand-built by robots. Exactly. Stonehenge, the pyramids, mm -mm. hand-built no. by robots. Absolutely. 100%. I don't have another answer. The so. state of Iowa, robots. Hand-built by robots. <laughs> I'm still sure that, it, I'm not sure that it's real. Yeah, we don't know. Everything's a simulation. But in this simulation, we are here to share with you some some history because shared history is the history podcast that you know explores the less worn chapters of your history textbook perhaps the chapters that were left out or whitewashed or man washed or straight washed all of these things that's kind of where we meander through history but we don't do it alone Cass. we don't do it alone we do it with robots. We do it with the robots. And <laughs> today's robot joins us from uh, from the other side of the international dateline. So we officially have our longest, uh, our our biggest scheduling challenge just because I had to do math uh, of any of our guests to date. We have an amazing friend of the pod through the social media, probably my favorite uh favorite history TikToks and instagram reels are uh are hers she's also hosts a podcast called for the love of history if you want to watch said instagram reels and TikToks, that is also the handle so it's for the love of history podcast she's also a fourth grade teacher and she's calling in from japan it's taya hey how are you I'm good. I'm settled in for a cozy night. I've got like my sleepy time tea and you it's Ooh. 9 a.m. for you. It's 9 a.m. for me. I've got a cup of coffee and I'm double fisting a water. <laughs> yes, you know what? This is your mother speaking. Hard. If you're listening to this, please hydrate. Yes. <laughs> Drink your water, friend. Drink your water, friend. Thank you. <laughs> We're, I'm so happy that, that you're joining us uh, for the love of history. I, I, I found you via the social medias and then started listening uh, to the podcast. You're in season four? I'm in season four, but that it's it's been going on for a lot longer. We've had some some branding changes, all right? Okay. Um, so at the beginning, I was doing... Um, a podcast episode every week because it, it was the COVID times. We were deep yes. into the COVID times. There wasn't much and else to do. Exactly. There wasn't a lot to do. And so I was like, episode every week. Yeah. And so I did that for like six months. And I was like, okay, this is a lot. So then I went to an episode every other week. 
And then I changed jobs and I could not sustain that any longer. So I went to a seasonal thing. So For the Love of History has been going on for two and a half years now. So, but we're only in our fourth season, which is weird. It's fine. It's part of the lore. It's like four seasons, but you're like pushing 80 episodes at time of recording. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 74 as of Friday. Nice. I keep telling people that Natalie and I have been recording for six years because COVID made time weird. And yeah. we have six seasons over <laughs> how many years, Nat? Uh, Three, four, three. See, that's that's just I don't know how you expect me to keep that straight. It's really no. difficult for us because we started before there was a pandemic, and then mm -hmm. time stopped working. So now it's yeah. even like pre pre COVID feels like it was ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. it does. Is that basically does. where we're at? Uh huh. I uh I will say so on on the to talk as Cass and I call it. <laughs> On, on, the, the on the reels the to talk the reels you i it's like my favorite little summaries of the weirdest fucking history <laughs> and i'm always like i we need to do more of those and listeners if you're listening to this we do have an instagram like we you know we have an instagram but we also have a tiktok now and i'm like how does taya do these all the time you do so many of them and they're all like very thoughtful and well <laughs> Thank you. And then I'm like I'm like, oh I I'm wearing makeup today. I have to do a TikTok. <laughs> I have to panic do a TikTok. <laughs> it's a combination of being a teacher for like the last seven years and children's maximum attention span is only 10 minutes at the most so i'm like you've been training for this information exactly i've been training for this my <laughs> whole life like the attention span of adults now scrolling through tiktok is about the same as a bunch of 10 year olds so i'm like information overload and then they leave <laughs> how do i get your attention very quickly and hold it for the exact <laughs> amount of time that i need <laughs> exactly exactly and then i had a very strict professor in university and he was like every week 100 word essay only 100 words and you have to explain everything that happened in that historical event so yeah it's that i uh listeners at right now for you listeners it is almost thanksgiving but it, mm. we're recording this during spooky season and i've very much been enjoying the the macabre uh yes. the spooky reels that taya's been posting so scroll back in her timeline and look at that Please do. I, I'm a lover. I'm a lover of macabre and dark and spooky. But if it, ugh, it's so good. It's so good. I'm naming my first child macabre. Macabre. <laughs> I'm naming my first dark and spooky. <laughs> dark and spooky I'll name younger. mine Crave. <laughs> yeah. And then when they come together, it's a whole thing. God, I hope our kids never meet. <laughs> now I'm super into Vatican history. I grew up Catholic and oh, join the club, no baby. Longer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> boop, boop. Um, <laughs> peace be to you and also unto you. <laughs> we lift up our hearts. <laughs> we lift them up to the Lord. <laughs> oh, God. I still know all the replies. Right? <laughs> and so I've, I've gotten more into, like, the like the weird Vatican history stuff. I, I go through these, like, weird rabbit holes of history stuff. And now I'm into the Vatican 
history and I found relics and I cannot deal with them. Cannot deal with relics. They're so creepy. It's a vibe, man. Mm -hmm. You just gotta right? find, people are like, we're not into history. And I'm like, you just have to find a vibe and chase that vibe. Exactly, just, chase that vibe. Just chase that vibe. <laughs> chase your vibe, man. Also, wow, yeah, Vatican history, it's dark history. Sometimes that vibe is real fucked up and nobody's yeah. talked about it before. Mm -mm. And we need to talk about it. <laughs> I, I almost, I'm afraid to ask, are we, we're not doing Vatican history tonight, are we? No, no, we are not doing Vatican history. We're doing real way cooler history. And I think the peeps are gonna love it. Um, it's a roller coaster of emotions, okay? <laughs> Oh, so your arms and legs inside the <laughs> podcast at all at times. All times. <laughs> your ideas of Japanese history are just gonna go out the window. If you had any ideas about it, it's it's all wrong. Okay, maybe not all wrong, but it's probably a lot of largely stuff. wrong. Yeah, if that's any been... of it includes Tom Cruise, it's wrong. It does. As a samurai. It includes Tom Cruise. We're talking about <laughs> Tom Cruise today. <laughs> oh, He's my favorite person to just hate. I, oh my God. <laughs> Seriously, it's just so easy. It's so easy. He's just got a punchable face. I can't help myself. Yeah, and he's <laughs> usually standing myself. on an Apple box. Truly. I mean, so listen, as a, as a tall actor, I don't fault any of the gentlemen who need to stand on Apple boxes. I'd rather you stand on an Apple box than they have to dig me a like, <laughs> <laughs> to stand because they've done that. I'm pretty sure they've done that to Nicole Kidman, and they definitely did that to Ingrid Bergman. So Nicole was Ingrid oh. Bergman tall, taller than I think Bogey, taller than some oh, of her. Oh wow! Actors wow. are small. We love a tall queen. Yeah, we do. We do love a tall queen. All I do love a short tall. king, though. I married. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So today we're going to be talking about women samurai so we are talking about tom cruise we are talking about tom cruise i wasn't even joking that was not a joke it wasn't a bit it was for real it was real life <laughs> we're real life talking about tom cruise and i'm so mad at him so mad yeah okay this is so, this is the time this is the time air those grievances <laughs> all right so we're gonna start at the end to go back to the beginning okay so Japan was closed off to the rest of the world for almost 300 years, right? I think that might be the most known thing about Japanese history. During the mm -hmm. Edo period, it was just closed off. There was like two ports that Japan allowed foreign people in, and one of them wasn't even really a port. It was like a man-made island that they were like, only, only here, guys. Nothing, only here. Nothing past can't even here. Come. Yeah, exactly. So Japan was just closed off. And during that time, so much history happened and Japan just developed a culture inside of a vacuum, which is really cool. And I don't know if that's like really ever happened before. I'm not quite sure. But when Matthew Perry came in and he was like, knock, knock, bitch, like open up. And- Chandler Bing, yes. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They came in and they saw all these samurai people and they only really acknowledged the men, the that male seems like a samurais. them problem. It was a them problem. They were like, oh my God, look at these very manly men. 
We love this. We love this for them. But they just failed to recognize or they did recognize and they didn't want to portray an image of strong Japanese women because the image of Japanese women in so much media is very meek and demure and you have the the very untrue geisha image of Japanese women. Yeah, exactly. Which is just bullshit lies. It's just bullshit lies. Because at the same time that there were male samurai, there were women samurai. Throughout the whole time. And they were there first. <gasps> women samurai were there first. Fuck yeah. Male samurais were like, girls, can you please give us a seat at the table? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. They wanted to see that that table, ugh, that women made. Okay. So now... We have that established. We've got to go back. We've got to go way, way back. Okay. We have to go back to the year 200 AD, which has the very first recorded um, instance of a female warrior. In fact, woman to go to another country and just totally fuck their shit up. So before I get too ahead of myself, because I'm just so excited right now. So in the year two, 200 AD, there was a consort, and her name was really, really long, and I cannot pronounce it, but we're going to call her Empress Jingu, because that was her name after she became super famous. So Empress Jingu was a consort of one of the kings of Japan at the time, or the emperors of Japan at the time, and they were in a big conflict with each other and with Korea. And so when uh, somebody from the Korean forces killed the emperor, she was super pissed and she decided to take herself and his entire army while she was pregnant across the sea to Korea and just fuck everybody's shit up and not spill a single drop of Japanese blood while she was pregnant, while she was pregnant, okay? Yeah, I know, right? And then that's some, here's that's some female power right there. Yeah, right? podcasting is a visual medium, so our listeners know this. But <clears throat> Cass and I are both just like mouth agape in response <laughs> right now. There's a saying. What is it like? Uh, wi like women, women, I feel women can do everything men can do, but like bleeding and then also yes. backwards and in heels. But it's like, yes. but then also pregnant. <laughs> also pregnant. Also pregnant. Yeah. Also, like, it's, it's, I know it's horrible, but whenever you say, like, a woman went over and, like, fucked someone's shit up, yes. killed all these people, I'm like, hell yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's, it, it hits different when it's a lady, okay? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like a man went and conquered this country. Okay. It's pretty much par for the course. All right. Fuck him. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. He kind of sounds like a dick, but if a woman exactly. does it, yeah. <laughs> yes. Female empowerment. <laughs> So the thing about Empress Jingu is that she's kind of almost like the King Arthur of Japanese history. She was a real person, a totally real person, but is kind of like an amalgamation of um, mythology and history because back in the Dizay, there were no like genres of writing. So mythology, uh, no genres in writing in Japan. So mythology and history were always combined together. 
So in the Nihon Shoki, I think is what the book is called, um, it's Japan's like very first history book. It records all of the early history of Japan. And in it, she's both a mythical, like she's a goddess basically after she comes back from Korea, she is a goddess, but she was also a real person. So with her being pregnant, she was pregnant for three years, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so she went to Korea, she was pregnant while she was in Korea. Then she came back. She was like, I'm not ready to give birth to this baby yet. Yeah, she's like, I have to basically give birth to a nation first. So I'm busy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then she gave birth to a god after that, the god of war. Well, naturally. Right? I know. I expect exactly. nothing less. Yes. So she started this whole thing of women warriors and women being in places of power. So from the 5th to the 6th century, we have something called the Epoch of the Queens in Japanese history, where it's just empress after empress after empress, like, tri like what is that called? Succession, that's the word. When it's the succession after succession of women. Yes. But Why am I being lied to? Because and why is an epoch of the queens the name of like a Beyonce album? Or like a, a Japanese female metal band or something. Oh! Right? Oh! Right? It's because all of this stuff was suppressed during the end of the Edo and early Meiji period. So the Meiji period is like um, from the 18, the mid, mid 1800s when japan was like let's revolutionize and stuff like that and they looked to western countries who were treating women like garbage and they were like yeah we also need to treat women like garbage which they had already been treating women like garbage because confucianism came in and just fuck shit up i also love the like the stereotypical um idea of japanese women and a lot of Asian women just and mm -hmm. as an amalgamation is these subservient women. They're small, they're weak, they don't talk, it's all the men. But that's them basing their treatment of women off of Western civilization. It's like, yes! bro, we're we're doing what you're doing and not even Oh my God. Sorry, that's pretty ironic. I know. No, it's it's absolutely crazy. Like when you when you learn more history i feel like the more frustrated you get like i just get so frustrated sometimes i, I feel like we constantly like we'll do we'll do a story about like a female warrior or like a queen or warrior queen mm -hmm. or like about a like a time that we'll be talking about the culture uh, being more matriarchal or or whatnot and we're i feel like it comes up so often that both Cass and I have to be like, this actually wasn't that weird there at the time. Like it wasn't like now we're so, we have so much internalized like misogyny that now we're like, wow, yes. it's crazy that these ladies were doing things when it's like, no, that was part of the course. Everything that makes that feel shocking to us is like just from the last like two centuries. And this exactly. is why we love when a woman, we find out a woman goes and fucks up someone else's country. Yes, this like, is you know, why exactly, I fucking exactly. do it. I don't care. 
<laughs> right? Exactly. And you know what's like, this is not the topic that we're talking about today, but I have to tell you anyways, the first recorded leader of a united Japan was a woman. Yeah. Empress Himiko. Empress Himiko and people over and over and over again are like, she's not real. She's not real. Well, China wrote about her. She's in China's history books and everything else in China's oldest history text. You're like, yeah, that's real. That we believe that except for the woman who was an empress. Yeah. Make it make sense. Friend. I just rolled my make eyes it make sense. so hard. Listeners, just <clears throat> pure annoyance on my face right now when really I should be excited. <laughs> But I'm pissed. <laughs> it's a mixed feeling. Well, you, man, you so. delivered. You are taking us on a roller coaster of emotions. And I don't even think we've fully gotten to the topic yet. We're not. We're not even fully at the topic. Yes. This is just all of the stuff leading up. up. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We're going to, like, go conquer some shit after this. We're going to go invade some places. <laughs> <laughs> so... We have the epoch of the queens, just empress after empress after empress. And women's status in society is equal to that of men's. And in the 12th century is when finally the establishment, the formal establishment of the Bushi, the Bushido code of the warrior class. That That's when it begins, is in the 12th century. So that whole last samurai bullshit which we could do a whole other episode about the last samurai because i have so many feelings about it um but that's when the system of the bushido code starts is in the 12th century and at that time both women and men were samurai and they were of equal status. Women continue to be a part of the samurai class until the very end, but their status will go up and down depending on it influences within the country and outside influences. So Bushido Code, we've got it. It's great. And we have something called the Warring States period that's starting up. The samurai class is basically... A bunch of different feudal groups they're like clans and they are all fighting for control of japan because japan is not a unified country at this time it's not even japan so all of these different samurai classes they're like fighting and things like that and trying to get more land and join clans together and at this time we have one of the coolest samurai women ever to pop up and her name is Tomoe Gozen. Tomoe Gozen is probably one of the most famous um, Ona Musha. So we have two types of female samurai. We have the Ona Bugeisha and we have the Ona Musha. The Ona Bugeisha were more usual and they were the ones who were more on the defensive end. And then the Onamusha were the ones who were offensive. They would go and attack and pretty much they they would do exactly the same thing as the other offensive samurai. Because a lot of time people just think that samurai were all like, let's kill everything all the time. No, no, no. You have 
different types of samurai. We got our football team class. out here, guys. We got first down. We got to roll out our defense now, okay? Sorry, I'm a professional NFL coach. I have a fantasy yeah. football team, so I get it. Yes. <laughs> it's a, you it's get a it. big you job. You could be a military. Yes. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> Did you hear that? Taya said that I could run a military. So, ladies, bring your offense and your defense. I'm ready to go fuck some shit up. Yep. We're ready for it. <laughs> We're ready for it. And one of the things I absolutely friggin' hate about the majority of male historians is they're like they make it seem like being an a defensive warrior is less like I don't even know the word for it less impressive admirable admirable impressive yeah 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 it's less impressive you have to go to other people to show them that your dick is bigger than theirs like That's you can't true. do that but, if they came to you you have to like enter somebody else's home but what yes. i will tell you <laughs> like, what i the same yes. thing i told mike <laughs> ditka in 1985 is that defense win championships so yes football <laughs> <laughs> Football, <laughs> football, and and warrior like samurais. They're basically yep. the same. It's basically Absolutely. The same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let any man ever hear know, that ever. God. I was gonna say the uniform exactly the same. One hundred. <laughs> Virtually indiscernible yeah. between the two. So a lot of male historians are are like, yeah, well, there were more. Uh, defensive warrior women than there were offensive. They were very rare. Okay, but were there still women samurai? Yeah. Ugh. Also, okay, Ugh, like that me. just means that it's like okay, you own a house and you're you want to go take somebody else's house. Don't you want some strong ass bitches protecting your house when you go to take somebody else's house? Are they not just as important so that somebody else isn't trying to take your house while you away? Exactly, exactly. And that's what it was because the samurai women were at this point in time were held at a very high regard and they were the ones who were in charge of the house because the men went off and they did their whatever thing, showed each other their peepees. And then <laughs> this is what we've decided warfare. But I'm not. Right? <laughs> and then women were holding the women the line. Would be like, all right. <laughs> they were. They were getting the house together. They were working on the finances. And also, because this is the freaking warring states period, they had neighboring clans just coming over all the time and trying to take their shit. Yeah. And so the women were like, all right, well, we have to take care of everything else. And because you guys have a little dick measuring contest over there, we also have to keep our house yeah. safe. Yeah, and, and whether they're samurais, warriors or not, how much mm. of any history is shitting on women while the men go off to war, but now they're doing everything and fighting off people. Like yeah. a lot of women that were doing that weren't even warriors and they're still fucking doing it. Exactly. Gosh. Exactly. Right? So off my soapbox of offensive and defensive samurai, <laughs> back to Tomoe Gozen. So Tomoe Gozen was an Ona Musha, and she was one of the offensive samurai women. 
and her master that's that's the direct translation of what it is in japanese so her like retainer the guy who was like in charge of her clan his name was general kiso yoshinaka and he's like some big wig and they were fighting another clan and he died and so she was like um i'm just gonna take his army of like 300 people and i'm just gonna like go and attack and kill everybody it's fine but even before that she was such a trusted like advisor she became his uh it's called the ippo no taisho which is his like right hand person so it was this general kiso guy and tomoe gozen they were like boom right so this like is this a, this isn't BFF. even really like he died and she was like i've decided i'm in charge now like she basically was would it was have been the next chain of command it is chain of command exactly exactly so sorry that was that was my poor explanation so even before he died she was out there leading his armies by herself going and doing all this stuff and it was crazy and she was just decapitating people left and right because that's um like a way that you show how how good of a warrior you are you're just like taking bitches heads all the time well, yeah and then presenting them to your um the clan leader or whatever and he's like hey look at all these heads i got today <laughs> like a youtube beauty guru like up to the camera like sometimes this. you just Toma, can't you just get me socks sometime like does it always have to be a head <laughs> pass sometimes if you you just literally have to get a head so Tomoe Gozen was super good at collecting heads and in one battle she collected seven heads in a single battle so she Tomoe Gozen was like leading the troops whatever then um in the in the final battle because unfortunately she backed the wrong side or not the wrong side she backed the losing side so in the final battle between the two uh, clans that were fighting, her, um, the general Kiso, he was wounded and he died and he was like, hey, like just GTFO, get out of here, save yourself. And she was like, absolutely not. I will not leave. And she went and just like, she walked up to the biggest dude in the opposing army's ranks or whatever i was like you and just chopped off his head i'm upset yeah I i'm know, not right? done yet <laughs> i know <laughs> she was like hey i know you're about to die general kiso but like i want to show you that i am worthy of being like your right hand person so let me just kill the biggest dude on the other side and he's like a super famous guy onda no hachiro morishige and he was like He's a big dude. He's a pretty famous samurai for being like a really good warrior and super big. And she just goes in and is like, whoop, chops his head right off. Yeah. Cass, we have to take an ad break. Fair enough. But we're a history podcast, so we have to infuse this interlude with some tasty, tasty facts. Okay. Oh, tasty facts. Like brewing beer using hops became a standard practice as a result of early drug laws in Bohemia. Ah, yes. The Reinheitsgebot Law of 1560. I remember it well. 
now that hops are no longer a legally required ingredient in beer, welcome to the future, our friends at Herbiary have taken it upon themselves to release your taste buds from the cages of convention. They've experimented with over 200 different herbs and botanicals, building on the rich tradition and fermented folklore of hop-free brewing. Learn more about their delicious section of brews and where to find them at herbiary.com. Also, I always forget because, again, major Western like media, film and stuff, samurais are portrayed as this like, solo like ninja like i'm just hanging out on my own but japanese was a feudal society mm -hmm. so it's basically just their version of knights and like exactly. it's not this i don't know yeah so i like forget that so when you start saying like clans and everything that's i don't know i just wanted to say that that's kind of that light bulb moment for me where we like separate japanese history so much and we westernize it or we put our views on it of what it is and that when you actually start yeah. reading about it it's it seems very skewed because you're like well this isn't what i thought or what i'm used to seeing exactly. in all the all the ninja movies i've, I've seen the way japanese history has been exoticized for so long just warps everything like I know it's just a kid's movie, but or not a kid's movie, a kid's TV show. But did you guys ever see, like, Samurai Jack, mm -mm. that cartoon? I, never, I remember that. I, remember I never watched, I never watched it. it. So my brother was obsessed. I have a brother who's four years younger than me, and he was, like, obsessed with Samurai Jack. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, all samurais are, like, they're solo dudes. But it truly, no. There were, there were samurai called ronin, and they were masterless samurai an errant knight exactly a very very small portion of like the population of samurai mm -hmm. you don't want to be a ronin for the most part because it's like it's not fun because you have to fight for your money instead of just having an established salary mm -hmm. yeah and like th that's the whole thing like samurai had uh, levels they had salaries there was a whole full ranking system and everything and you could move up you could also move down so it was it was just like a social class the samurai by the end of the samurai age was simply a social class then that's it yeah it's like in in like western media it, it's like Cass said it's they're either they're either just like solo ninjas or like very monk-like and like in small groups and not like like no this is like this is like more this isn't even a football team coming at you this is an <laughs> ar this is an army yeah exactly it's got different it's names for things guys yeah that's it it's just different it's a different language that's all it is and also monks have also been very skewed Monks were fucking ruthless. Monks were ruthless as shit. There were the very like Zen monks, but for the most part, monks were dicks. Also, a lot of these like different martial arts of, you know, actually, I don't know where a lot of the specific ones originate, whatever, but a lot of them are in monasteries, mm -hmm. right? Like some of these very yeah. hyper specific versions of mm -hmm. martial arts are like, oh, these. I mean, maybe they're not so, so peaceful because if they're making up how to kick somebody's ass. <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. Like, ugh, ugh, 
it brings me so much joy and so much frustration at the same time to like dispel these myths. And it's it's my passion. It's my passion project. I love it. <laughs> so we're about to get into some of the bad oh, news, no. friends. And that's the episode, everyone. Thank you so <laughs> much. We're done. It's the part of the roller coaster where like you start to be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have had that funnel cake. Like going yep. to the bottom of of the you're getting to the bottom of the drop and like your stomach is in your throat right now. Yep. And the funnel cake is about to make a reappearance. <laughs> so here we go. Buckle up. So from the 12th century, we're like having a great time, women warriors fighting battles. The samurai class actually has like shit to do because that's what they're warriors. That's what they do. But from the 15th to the 19th century, the onabugeisha, the the female samurai status goes up and down and up and down and it's just you get whiplash so from like the 15th to the 17th century it's known as the um from the 16th to the 17th i'm sorry is the very end of the sengoku period the warring states period so you've got all of these clans kind of they're on one side or another, and you've got the final big battle, right? And in the final big battle, you have Onabugeisha and Onamusha on both sides, and they're fighting, and they're doing their thing, and then one side eventually wins. And so there's relative peace throughout the country, and the status of women start to go down because fucking neo-confucianism the philosophy that men are the best and women are just there to serve but the moral is if somebody says confucius says just slap them they're about to say something misogynistic <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> so that happens which is great great for the penises of the world so uh, the female family members because at this time you know war is like pretty pretty much at a zero there may be some things popping up here and there but the samurai class turns into a social class basically so they're the highest social class in japan and they start making money through other ways like they just did a bunch of shit so they, they, they were making money through other things. There's a bunch of shit that they did. It's not important to our story right now. Um, and at that point, women started to become pawns. And in order to, the same shit that Europe was doing, in order to make the clans bond stronger, they would marry somebody's daughter to somebody's son and then that clan would combine because it's a super weird thing in japan um where a daughter no longer is a part of her family once she gets married like there's a system called the koseki tohon here in japan and i had to deal with it firsthand when i got married to my husband where the daughter is just fully taken out of the family registry like she doesn't exist in that family registry anymore and then she goes and she becomes a part of that other family's 
family registry. So she goes to live with that other family and she is a part of that other family. And that's how they would make all of these ties. Is that classification like still, is that still how it works now in Japan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. This sounds Mm -hmm. like a nightmare for like trying to trace lineage. It is. Like I'm just, you can't find your female ancestors basically. Nope. Because they just get absorbed into the male's family. Yeah. It's bananas. There were some cases, and it's not it's not uncommon for some men, if the family doesn't have any dudes, for um, families to adopt a man and have them take on that family's like, so that they can continue to exist. Exactly. So that they can continue to exist. It's like a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Even now in Japan, like I had a friend who um, her family, I, she was my coworker. Her family um, didn't have any daughters. So um, her husband took on her family name. So technically they were married, but they were all, he like, the, he also got adopted, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because he then came into her Koseki Tohon. But you know what? A little side note. May I digress for a moment? Please do. Um, So because I am foreign um, and my husband is Japanese, I do not get to be put into the Koseki Tohon. I am a footnote on that piece of paper. So on the paper, it's it's a very official looking paper, and there's like an asterisk by my husband's name, and then at the very bottom of the paper, it's like, oh yeah, this bitch is also here. It's like, Taya. <laughs> Taya, at Shared History, we fucking love footnotes. So <laughs> you are, Thank we you. hold you in higher regard than the people, uh, like anything that's presented in the main body copy. You know what? Thank All you. an Thank asterisk you. really is, is a star. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> But to see my, my husband's name's Rin. So when Rin was like, we, we were at the city hall, he was like, excuse the shit out of me. What? <laughs> what? And then they were like, yeah, yeah, she can't be in your family registry. And he was like, but we're married. And they were like, I want him your to wife- introduce you at things and be like, hi, and this is my, this is my footnote. This is my asterisk. <laughs> That asterisk, though. That asterisk. <laughs> oh, and it's, it's interesting that you like ever. you said that Rin like kind of did a double take. That this is not something that every Japanese person knows. That it's very like oh no, no no the legality and confusion and red tape it's and everything. It's so weird. Japanese laws are so so like I'm losing my English ability. They're so. Con- confounded, I guess. Intricate and just really, really complicated. It's yeah. so crazy. Like when we went to the city hall to get married, they were like, can you guys get married? And we were like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and it was like, but you're- There's no rule that says that dogs <laughs> can't play basketball. <laughs> exactly. We just basically pulled an air butt at the city hall. <laughs> I just tossed my head back in laughter, and the back of my chair <laughs> fell out. Oh. <laughs> Listeners, you didn't see my computer screen just rumble back and forth, but it did. 
Oh my gosh, it's so funny. Yeah, so uh, that was fun. That was a fun discovery at the city hall on the day that we were supposed to like be joyful and happy. <laughs> I love a. Everyone loves a wedding day puzzle. <laughs> right, right. Oh, it's my favorite. So because of this idea, going back to the episode. Oh yeah, oh yeah, right. Whoops. Yeah, right. <laughs> because of this idea of like. A, a woman going to another clan and things like that and becoming a part of that family but she still has that like familial ties um that's how they like just in europe just like in europe they yeah. created stronger bonds by doing things like that so women then became pawns but but all throughout this time, even though the women had become political pawns, they were doing their own things because the Onabugeisha were like, no, thank you. We're not dead. We're not gone. So they started their own secret schools. <gasps> yeah. I love a secret society so hard. Oh. Right? So usually the the most common weapon for samurai women was the naginata. It's this like long ass spear with like a whew, little sword at the end. And so they would practice it and like cuz you were supposed to a part of like Confuci confucianism is like to keep your body like in its peak health condition and things like that. So um they were like we just we're just practicing to be healthy and fit. Yeah. And they, they would like take the swords off the ends. They'd be like, yeah, we're just- We're working we're out. Cute. Yeah, it's fine. It's not even Babe, a Babe, it's deal. just a gym and membership. Then, Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing stick Pilates. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it was. And they would also have like, <laughs> oh, cats, hello. Um, <laughs> they're excited about the stick Pilates too. <laughs> So they would have these like networks, these like secret networks of women like in communication with each other, being like, hey, this is like kind of bullshit. Should we like rebel or something like that? And the other woman like, fuck yeah, like let's do that. They were like, okay, like let's just like bide our time. Let's, let's keep training. Let's keep practicing. Let's keep like learning and things like that. If yeah. any pairings of words should scare the absolute shit out of you it is female rebellion yeah <laughs> those bitches don't play organized. and it's gonna be organized right? <laughs> and we're gonna have exactly. great outfits okay and we're yes, yes. exactly <laughs> exactly so we have these women in their like secret societies and stuff like that and they're like training and doing things and they realize that the way things are moving it's it's becoming more political the samurai are basically a whole ass political class at this time and they're more powerful than the emperor and so the women realize the women samurai realize that if they're going to get anything done they got to start getting into politics and they have to start fighting fire with fire and that's what they do and one of my favorite like political warriors is this woman she's called the fighting nun Fucking oh, yeah. phenomenal soul. name 
the fighting nun. Yeah. So Hojo Masako was her name, and she was the first, like, prominent Onabugeisha in politics. And she was able to, like, press the shogun. So the shogun is, like, the military leader of the country. So you have, like, the shogun, and then you have, like, the emperor here he just like gets to like dress up and like be cute in his little garden and stuff like that he's not really gets to try on new clothes exactly exactly so often they were children (laughs) so the shogun is like the big the the big dude who makes all of the decisions so hojo masako was like listen bitch like the women are done like we're fed the fuck up and unless you start making some changes shit's gonna get real bad real fast so she urges the and like presses the shogun to finally be able to let women to inherit property to inherit money to have like the same inheritance as their fraternal kin so instead of that whole needing to adopt a male heir if you don't have any men in the family they would just give it to the women now it was like a whole thing i'm cool with that i feel like I just keep thinking about Pride and Prejudice, but set in Japan. Like, right? since we brought up this whole, like, family registry thing, I'm just on, like, a the Bennetts is all I can think about. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. But it's about to be even more crazy. So we, we are now closing out the totally done with the Sengoku period, the Warring States period, and now we've moved into the Edo period. And that's that really long uh, era of totally closed off Japan. They kicked out all the priests. They kicked out all the foreign people. They were like, absolutely not GTFO. And they just shut that shit down. And during this time, at the be- at the very beginning, it was like, yes, women's status is great. They were training in martial arts openly again. They were having a good time. They were just the numbers of onabugeisha and onamusha were at like an all-time high and then boom done all of a sudden women's status went from we're equal almost almost equal to all you are is a child-bearing vessel real quick real freaking quick and that's how it was for the majority of the Edo period, almost three, like 200 years at that point, just women being nothing but childbearers. Samurai women weren't even allowed to leave their houses a lot. They weren't allowed to leave their little area. And it was really shitty because during this time, you had this um, thing that you had to do if you were a samurai where you lived at your house for a year and then the next year you went in where the shogun was to like show your loyalty and stuff like that so these women were just like stuck not being able to do anything just having kids and their i hesitate to use the word partner because they weren't yeah. the the person yeah. who gave them seed to bear oh. children was oh, just gone. It. i know It was so shitty. It was so, so shitty. It was the worst. So, yeah. So they, they had to get like, um, 
special like permission to do other things to leave the village and things like that and it was just heavily restricted they had to get special permits to make their own businesses they had to get special permits to like do literally anything outside of their household duties which just was awful and then we come to that that's pretty much all of the edo period that's it for like 200 years it was just shit just absolute shit and then we have in the 19th century we have the last stand and this is where fucking tom cruise comes in <laughs> and saves japanese history right <laughs> yeah thanks tom no. cruise thanks tom cruise so <laughs> like the samurai class at that at the end of the Edo period was they were just like over bloated. They hadn't had any fighting things to do. They were just like they weren't the the idea of um, that very like stoic, almost like chivalrous, the Bushido code samurai that you usually see in the west they were they were kind of like not that way anymore all they wanted to do was hold on to their status of samurai they didn't want that samurai class to go away mm -hmm. because it was really nice for them to be up high on this pedestal and not be down there with all the plebs so in the 19th century when the u.s was like knock knock bitch and Matthew Perry came in, and then the Meiji Emperor was like, oh shit, like, the rest of the world has revolution, like, they went through their industrial revolution, we gotta go through our industrial revolution, we've gotta be, like, presentable to the Western world, or else they're gonna colonize us like they colonized the rest of the fucking world. So mm -hmm. Japan then goes hard on the Westernization, and that's when the battle between the Meiji and the Samurai, which is what you see in the last Samurai movie, that's what happens. But it's not, the Samurai are not fighting to hold on to Japanese traditions. They used guns, they used modern technology. They were not this stoic clan of basically monks. That's not how it was. They just wanted to keep on to their status that's that's what happened and so the samurai women at the time were like oh shit our status like we we are we know that we are higher than these other women like these other women have real shit lives and we want to hold on to this i like what little power we have and then on the other side you had other women on the Meiji side being like, hey, do you see these women in the West? Do you see how liberated they are? Do you see how much freedom they have? So you have these two sides of the samurai women and then you have the uh, Joshitai, which is the Imperial Army's all women military. The emperor, the emperor what? had, yes, I know. I know the emperor had an all women military. Yes, the Joshitai is what it's called. And they, it was a huge, I think they were what, 5,000 strong or something like that. So you have the samurai women, the Onabugeisha and the Onamusha fighting against these Joshitai who are an all women army. 
and they were truly the ones who were the last samurai. It was the women in the imperial army and the women in the Onobugeisha who were the ones to fight in the last battles in the Meiji period. Fuck right off. Yep. So during the 19th century, when the Edo period was coming to an end and the Meiji period was starting, you had the war against the Meiji and the samurai. And the samurai were not the people who are portrayed in the last samurai movie. They were not these stoic monks who were like, yes, we want to keep our stoicness. We want to keep our very traditional Japanese things. They were using guns. They were using modern technology. They just wanted to keep a hold of their status and that's it. And the women were like, yes, we also want to keep a hold of our status because we see what's going on with the other women in Japan and we want to be able to make changes in the Japanese government the way it is now. And if the system of the samurai is gone, we won't be able to do that. So this woman named Nakano Takeko, who was a member of the Aizu clan, she recruited all of those, remember those secret underground women who were still training and still fighting and doing all their political the things? Pilates. The stick Pilates women. Ladies, the stick Pilates women your time is now. Came out. Exactly. Stick Pilates. <laughs> so they came out and they were like, uh, yes, we're going to fight with you, Takeko. Like, hell yeah. And so a group of women, I think about 5,000 strong, called the Joshitai, or the Girls' Army is what it's called, fought against the imperial forces that were 20,000 soldiers strong. Hey, Natalie, I'm going to throw some pretty hard math at you. What uh, what percentage is 5,000 of 20,000? Right. Well, that's about 20%. Right? Truly, I did not know that. <laughs> Fractions. So these women were up they were the last samurai they were not tom cruise not ken watanabe that who's the japanese actor who you know what i not those i love ken watanabe so like yeah I'm, I'll, I'll stand for that but get the fuck out of here tom get the fuck out tom cruise yes so they were the ones who fat Fat. They fat in the last battle. <laughs> okay. They were what the ones who fought in the last battle, it, um, defending the city of Kagoshima, which was effectively the last stand that ended the more than one thousand years of the samurai class, and that is the story of the Onobugeisha. Wow. So. Look, Tom Cruise's casting in that movie was already a problem. <laughs> yeah. But now it's a larger one. Yes. For other reasons. It's very problematic because, I mean, I know, I know that the, whoever made that, I don't even know that guy's name. I don't even give him that man the time of day. Uh, so the dude who made it never said, like, this is historically accurate. But there is historically accurate and then there's like 
gross exoticism. Yeah. Like, what are yeah. you doing? Like, don't be disgusting. Just like there's mathematically accurate, and there's the fact that I said that 5,000 was 20% of 20,000 <laughs> instead of 25%, which yeah. I'm going to, I'm stating Wait. now because the second I said it, I was like, no, that's 25%. But the moment was gone, and somebody shouted at their at their car radio. Again, me and Cass believed you. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Me wrong with confidence. <laughs> yes. That is what Tom, Tom Cruise does in all of his roles. What would Tom Cruise do? It's hmm? crazy. Out in Rome, Jump on a couch and be wrong in confidence. Right? Exactly. So... I guess to like really end this episode, it's like, why do we not know about this? Why is this not a thing that we know about? And we kind of talked about it at the beginning of the episode, but when white American and British dudes came over and they saw the Onabugeisha and the status that they had, even though it wasn't that great, they were like, absolutely the fuck not. We have to portray Japan in a certain way and we're just gonna, whoop, we like these geishas more than we like these onobu geisha. So yeah. that's what they did. We have to change things so that it fits nicely in our narrative and that uh, everyone, it's palatable to the people at home. Yep. And also like, how are we going, how are we gonna explain all of these like outfits and swords? I know. <laughs> It's so exotic. And these men are wearing skirts. What's happening? You guys need to westernize. Oh Get some trousers. Pay no attention to the Scots behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie's using exactly. that internet under the kilt episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's just this whole, whole other history of Japan that is just glossed over and my mission in this world is to get more people to know about it oh Cass you definitely said something on this episode that was so on brand what do you mean you know like you have a brand the way you look and communicate what you place value in all of that is your brand just typical you being you oh how do you know so much about brands oh well I've worked with Bates Marone's sweet design who Bates Marone, they're a boutique branding, marketing, and web design agency based in Chicago. They've got great strategists, designers, and copywriters who all work together to make brands better. How do they do that? They combine research and storytelling. They find out why a brand is the way that it is, and then they bundle all that up into a nice little package for the business to take with them and use going forward. Shoot, that sounds great. Right? Well, are they just for huge corporations, though? Oh, absolutely not. They have experience with all sorts of clients, from startups to Fortune 500 companies. Ooh, fancy. Mm-hmm. If you want to see some of their past client work, learn more about their processes, see what it takes to join the team, or if you're just ready to schedule a meeting, go to their website, BatesMarone.com. That's B-A-T-E-S-M-E-R-O-N.com. You know, I love, like, I love when I hear a story from history i was actually talking to a woman recently and she was talking about how her last name was changed when her when her family came over 
there was like a civil war but there was this really cool story about like how her great-great-grandfather got captured and then he like killed the guy that captured him and he ran away and he changes i'm like that's a movie i love when i find a cool piece of history and i'm like that's a movie i would love to see a movie of the onabugeisha that has nothing to do with western colonizers or influence because usually usually it's like oh my gosh we're gonna give these these women their stories but like they're fighting to keep it their tradition from the westerners it's like no just like give me the actual height of female samurai and it's not about like women trying to just you know prove that they're good enough it's like i just want a true story of a badass woman and it has nothing to do with white people and it has nothing to do with like i'm a woman you guys should believe that i'm a real right? person I'm like oh i just right? want to see someone just fuck some shit up i just want to see these ladies get up and fucking go to work and kick some fucking ass because that's yes. literally just their lives and that's exactly a slice of life that's what i want tomoe go up the the mental gymnastics that had to be done in order to create the last samurai was wasted. <laughs> Tomoe Gozen would have been a much cooler story about the warring states period. Like that shit is cool. Yep. That shit is so cool. A civil war between like Japanese samurai clans. That's neat as fuck. And then you have this woman who's just like regular regular lady doing her regular regular job of just chopping bitches heads off and bringing them to her retainer you mean to tell me that you like invented characters when you had a fighting nun right there on the page you literally had the work done for you and you worked so hard just to squeeze tom cruise in there i know why you have to work that hard to squeeze tom cruise into something because he's small so dainty he's like a pocket cruise he is pocket cruise well if there's one thing that i think we've really uh learned on this episode taya it's that Mm -hmm. john logan edward zwick and marshall herskowitz uh discovered the last samurai Mm -hmm. yes uh they really discovered the samurai they discovered the last samurai Every last one yes 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 every last one um so just like those three hollywood gentlemen discovered what it means to be a samurai yes um have you discovered something recently that you'd like to share with our listeners i have so to keep with our spooky ooky theme of October <laughs> that you are you're not here you're not here in October listener but we're here in October I'm always uh, in October <laughs> in my heart I gotta tell you about this book okay so I'm a huge fan of Japanese mythology I love Japanese history Japanese mythology and if you're looking for a way to like get into Japanese history, I highly recommend going the mythology way. And there is um, this book called The Tales of Moonlight and Rain by Ueda Akinari. Ueda is U-E-D-A. And then Akinari is A-K-I-N-A-R-I. It's so great. It's got all of these... um, super old mythology tales and creation tales uh, because Japan is and 
more so was a animistic society where everything has a god and everything has an origin story so it's a really cool book i highly recommend <laughs> i love that i will check that out you i'm a i'm a i'm a myth bitch oh my god like, give yeah. me some mythos yes right right i love that shit i eat that shit up um I also we haven't done we haven't done some this in a minute Cass in an episode but we've mentioned so many amazing people from history so many amazing women and also we've uh presented this whole episode in the context of wanting to slap Tom Cruise. Yes. So mm-hmm. <laughs> who not to center who? men or western civilization but right <laughs> slap him. Uh who would who would you cast? What was the name of the last badass we were talking about? Oh, uh, tak- uh, Takeko. Whoa, gosh, what's her? Uh, Nakano, Nakano Takeko. Sorry. <laughs> the last badass is the factual remake of the last. <laughs> <laughs> the last badass. We found our title, you guys. We found our title. <laughs> uh, Nakano right Takeko, the last badass. Yeah, yes. even if we're just casting like one of these people, who would we? If we're going Tomoe Gozen and and her story of like chopping people's heads off. Hello, dear readers. This is the portion of the episode where we spend 30 minutes researching the perfect casting for this movie. For our time and yours, we've edited this and we'll go to our final list. Okay, so so we're casting Satoshi as the warrior. Yes. And we're and we're casting I'm going to I'm going to butcher this but Takayuki? Yeah, Takayuki, Oda. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As uh as General Kiso. Yes. Do we have a Tomoe Gozen? She used to be a pro wrestler. Oh, here she is. Oh, Fuwa-chan, Fuwa-chan. Yes, 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 yes. She like is very much dressed up in her um like bit outfit. Also, she has the resume to be a warrior then because she's got a wrestling background. Truly. It makes it, she's a comedian. So, she, and she's these pictures we're looking at very like bright and colored. She's used to costume wear. Yeah. I mean, yep. she's top of the list already. Truly, though. And her range is so amazing because she, like, she can do like comedy, comedy, like, real deep um like in japan you have like word word play comedy so she does that and then she also does like slapstick comedy so she's my favorite i love her so much she's great <laughs> well i'm glad uh that we've uh we're getting this movie funded and it's happening yes. and yes. we're doing we it. did it guys. we, we did, did it yay look <laughs> at us look just look at us will you look at us look at us <laughs> Changing the world. Right? The last badass. The last, the last badass. badass. And I am really upset with myself right now because I forgot the best, like, final um, little fact for any of the naysayers out there. So I don't know if you want to, like, put this in there somewhere or just keep it in your brain, okay? So that you know this information. Lay it on us. There was an archaeological dig 
that was done um, by the Japanese archaeologist Suzuki Hiro, uh, Hiroatsu was his name. And he was looking at the remains found at a battle, like a battleground in like 1580, I think. And they excavated and they tested 150 bodies from that battle site, right? They did the DNA testing. And out of that 105 bodies, 35 of them were women. 35 of them were women. So if there's anybody who's like, oh, no, like, there's no proof, there's no evidence, shove this evidence up your asshole, okay? <laughs> there's, <laughs> we've got DNA testing done of all of the bodies, 35 of them were women, and this archaeologist, Suzuki Hiroatsu, was like, in a statement about these remains, he said, these women came here to fight and to die. And according to all of his studies, 30% of battle corpses from all of the Sengoku era, the Warring States period, are women's bodies. Do you know why that percentage why? is so low? Only 30% out of why? 100? Because the bitches why? won. They didn't die on the battlefield. Yeah, yeah. They're kicking some ass. <laughs> <laughs> Right? They live to fight another day <laughs> and then later have that status stripped of them. <laughs> Woo, you're welcome, <laughs> Japan. Exactly. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. So you might not know the answer to this, and that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Have Japanese scholars, historians, archaeologists, have have they been has that been kind of an area of um interest lately of like, oh, you guys, we we haven't been talking about this, but we found 30 um, bodies of, of women based on DNA. And like, is it like they're trying to uncover this and like bring it to light? Like, you guys, we haven't been talking about this for very long, but let's start talking about women and all these other marginalized yeah. people within our society. Do you know if that's kind of a trend trending up at all? It's un It's unfortunately a very niche group. Yeah. So in terms of gender equality, in terms of racial equality, Japan is like, I would say between like 20 and 30 years behind. They're right up there with uh, gender equality right now with America, given the- We're doing great. <laughs> yep, yeah, lovely. But yeah, no, it's still very much like, um, like in the workforce, women are required to wear heels and you have to wear makeup, mm -hmm. but not too much makeup. And if you're in a very traditional business, the women in the office have to make tea for everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah so there, but there is, there is yeah. a group of people. It's a small group of people, but there is a group of people who are like, absolutely not. We've had too many people telling our history for so long yeah. that it's time for us to tell our history in the way that it really happened and yeah. trying to discover the way that it really happened. The thing about Japanese history is that only certain people can read it because number one, Japanese is hard as shit. Mm -hmm. Like I speak yeah. Japanese, but if I look at old text, my husband doesn't even, he's, he's full ass Japanese <laughs> and <laughs> He can't even read those 
things. It's like reading archaic English, mm -hmm. but the kanji are different. So a kanji that meant, means this now means a totally different thing. So you have to understand not only the context of that kanji, but then also all of the other things that are going around in that time period to yeah. understand what the shit the things are saying. Yeah. And that's one of the the big issues that Japanese like history and scholars are, are facing right now is that people are just not interested in it anymore mm. because it is so hard. Yeah. It's super duper freaking hard. Mm. And a lot of the old texts are kept secret. There, people aren't allowed to read them. That doesn't help. Which is just so fun. Yeah. What are you hiding? What are you hiding? More women but is they're, what they're hiding. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, exactly. So, yeah, yes and no. There is a change, but it's not as big as I would like to see. And so, like, a lot of western people are coming into japan and finding those histories and like bringing them to the rest of the world but i love I, I both love that and don't love that at the same time mm. because i i would prefer to learn history from a japanese history from a japanese person if that makes yeah. sense oh absolutely like me telling this history is great and all but i don't have that cultural social context mm -hmm. like i can read about it but i really can't experience yeah. it so yeah asterisks <laughs> oh, i remember what i was gonna say it's hilarious to talk to my husband who full-ass japanese we have established um and he like didn't learn any american history because why would he so i tell him some things sometimes and he's just like that doesn't make any sense. Why would America do that? And it's like, Why indeed? you're right. You're like, I, yeah. I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> right? It's like, that just seems not you smart. You are wrong. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong, sir. <laughs> it's so funny. It's my favorite. <laughs> well, Taya, thank you so much for coming on. I'm glad that we figured out how time differences work. Yes, uh, me too. And by we, I mean me, because you're very well versed in it. The amount of times today, <laughs> like, so it'll be your Sunday, my Monday. And I was like, yeah. got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Excellent. Oh God, you should have you should have been on the emails of Natalie relaying that to me, and then me fucking it up, and then her knowing how I think, and she's like, oh, Cass thinks she said it this way, but I know she's thinking wrong and saying it, Natalie has to learn how to speak cast which is a completely different language <laughs> written and spoken so natalie gets it she understands yeah. history being hard because you can't read it right and it's one of those it is one of those languages where the meaning completely changes depending on like intonation mm -hmm. and yeah. oh yeah so it's put that on your resume honestly cast. fluent cast <laughs> fluent cast but yes. uh we're, I'm so glad that we were able to make it work. Tell everybody where to find you on the internet and where to find your podcast. Yes. So if you want to hear me uh, ramble on like I just did in this episode, I'm, I apologize for future Natalie and Cass who have to edit this. Apologize for nothing. <laughs> Thank you. 
<laughs> um, so you can find me on my podcast, For the Love of History. It's You can find it anywhere you find your favorite podcast. I'm on all of the things. Um, and I'm on Instagram, For the Love of underscore history podcast. Um, I do reels and lots of fun little updates and my life in Japan. And on the tick of the tuck, I am number four, the love of history. I'll I'll send Natalie and Cass oh, all yeah. of the links. Yes, that's that's where you can find me if you want to listen to my disembodied voice Woo. anymore. <laughs> if you if you were driving, I hope that you didn't stop to write any of that down. Don't worry, we got your back. Uh, all of those will be linked in the show notes. You know the drill. There will also be lots of visual aids and good things. So <laughs> and sources and whatnot. So so check that out. Uh, as always, if you want to see like a full source list for episodes, go to our or if you want to leave us a note, go to our website, sharedhistorypodcast.com. You can email us or fill out a form there with any questions, corrections, or suggestions. And also we post things on the internet. We are at shared pod on Instagram and Twitter. We are at shared history on the TikTok. We will have a link to the film, The Last Samurai, except when you click on the link, it will just be all of Fua Chen's uh, comedy. Um, so yes. It will just be all her, of her sketches. Website. So <laughs> the last badass right there. Don't even worry. The last badass. Covered. <laughs> We're manifesting it currently. <laughs> Uh, please focus all of your intentions on this with yes, us. the last badass. <laughs> Until next time, share, share you later. later. Ooh, that was pretty good. Bye.